From beach towels to tea towels, and from mugs to water bottles, the TNT Shop has it all. Browse our shop now at tntradio.live. Using science to debunk myths from the pandemic to climate fraud. Thanks for listening to Sky Dragon Slaying on TNT Radio. Hi, welcome to another episode of Sky Dragon Slaying, where we bring you the truth on science and current affairs the mainstream would rather you didn't know. I'm John O'Sullivan, CEO of Principia Scientific International. As usual, joining me is Canadian astrophysicist Joe Postma. Well, here's a question for you. Have you ever heard of the lost civilization known as Tartaria? Well, if you haven't, be prepared to be enlightened. Tartaria, it's claimed to be a lost empire, which a globalist elite has covered up. Or, that's, or is it just all another conspiracy theory? Well, Zach Mortis, writing for Bloomberg, says it's all nonsense and describes the theory as the QAnon of architecture. Uh, nonetheless, researchers and YouTubers Chris Kelly and Kay Trekker-Wills are joining us today to give their insights. Uh, Chris Kelly runs the Old World Exploration Channel on YouTube, and Kay Trekker-Wills has his YouTube channel, I Am Keros. Uh, some of the claims about uh, Tartaria um, are that it's uh, pioneered sound technology, uh, it's wave technology, use of metals, levitation, free electricity out of thin air, and grand architecture, artifacts and ornate buildings, not for worship, but for healing. Um, yeah, talk about mud floods, talk about all sorts of things that conspiracy theorists love to get their teeth into. Uh, Chris Trekor, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Um I want to start off, um, you know, with that uh, quote there from um, the Bloomberg writer, Zach Mortis. He says it's the QAnon of architecture. What is this thing about architecture? There's something about the architecture. Chris, do you want to kick us off on that one? Yeah, sure. Um, well, that's what drew me into the research is the architecture being a uh, carpenter by trade um, with a couple of decades in the industry. Um I started looking into these old structures, basically castles um, that don't really make sense according to the timelines we're told they were built. Um, and that sort of led me down that uh, path to look deeper into um, the architecture of the past, because that's really what drew me in was the architecture, you know. Yeah, yeah. the thing about the architecture is it kind of uh, resonates with an old school conservative um, philosophy, the idea of uh, you, you've got the kind of Greco-Roman features, grand constructions, very large. And I mean, I looked at the um, presentations on YouTube, some channels which kind of blew my mind was the, the world fairs, world fairs that took place at the end of the 19th century. They were known for these amazing monumental grand uh, constructions that uh, were allegedly thrown up in a year or, or less using you know very basic uh, technology you know men with picks and shovels uh, that, that rattled my cage there chris i thought well this sounds a little bit it's conspicuous and uh, i'm sure you picked up on that yourself yeah that, actually the world fairs are a great entry point into um looking at the what i call the old world a lot of people call it tartaria i prefer old world tartaria seems to be a region um in Russia, generally speaking. Um, but what we're talking about in this field of research um, spans worldwide. But the World's Fairs have very short build times um, and then very elaborate and ornate architecture that will blow your mind if you look into it. The official narrative tells us they were built temporarily out of staff, some sort of temporary plaster um, and burlap. But it's very difficult to believe when you look at the photos um, that these are temporary structures. And some aren't actually. Some actually um, were passed down through time. The uh, the fine arts buildings in Chicago and San Francisco. Yeah. 
Yeah, one of the things that um, I picked up on is the San, you mentioned San Francisco, and uh, two things about the San Francisco uh, idea is that uh, you know photo, uh, illustrations, lithographs from the eighteen forties, when you know it was the, the the area of San Francisco was captured, you know, from from the Mexicans, from the from the Spanish, and made uh, effectively an American uh, settlement. Very little there, apparently. Very little there. Very few people. Very few settlements. In the space of twenty years, it became a city of hundreds of thousands with incredibly, you know, complex architecture and and, and infrastructure. You know, which seemed to me rather odd. You know, it's kind of beggars belief because as we as we know that uh, that's remote remote area to get over to that area. Really, all uh, the technology. You've, you've certainly piqued our interest and mentioning San Francisco. That's where the area that I'm living, and I've had an opportunity to visit some of these sites that still have partial existence. So most of the structures after these very short build times attended in the early years. The most uh, noteworthy World Fair in San Francisco was the Pan Pacific International Exhibition of 1915. And it's astounding that such a large project could be completed uh, after that uh, recorded historic earthquake and fire of 1906. So they not only were able to immediately rebuild the entire city, but then host an amazing fair with electrical lights and large towers, over 650 acres built on reclaimed swampland. And they say that most of them were destroyed. I've had opportunity to visit the site personally many times, examining the Palace of Fine Arts. And as Chris had mentioned, these are astounding, quick, and high-quality builds. And we really are referring it to, uh, referring as the old world. He had mentioned as uh, the Tartaria is sort of a blanket term, just kind of gets people um, recognizing there was a notable civilization. Uh, but that was more of a region. It's more uh, contained to the uh, northern uh, Russian and Chinese regions of the maps. Some of the maps in the 1500s literally show uh, that area labeled as that name. But we are uh, recognizing that this architecture and technology spreads throughout all regions. And that's what mm -hmm. we want to alert people that did. You can see it remnants in your hometowns if you know what you're looking at. But it exam you have to have a... Um, a bit of an eye for architecture and myself as a uh, as a contractor i understand the logistics of bringing materials to a site to accomplish a task how much planning is involved and how heavy these materials truly are and we're seeing the use of marble and granite and extreme concrete and iron but as our research continues we're finding there's also standing evidence of the destruction of these structures mass destruction through world fires and we wanted to speak about that mm. one of the things that uh, i think some people picked up on uh, my my interest uh, also uh, was first triggered when the famous notre dame cathedral in paris was burnt down in 2019 again um that kind of architecture it typifies what's described as tartarian architecture the grandness the ornateness of the of the buildings and uh Ironically, at, at that time, when the when the cathedral burnt down, um, Michelle Obama was watching the burning of, of the cathedral on a, on a boat on the River Seine, you know, and I thought that's ironic, you know, and again, there, there were conspiracy talk then that uh, perhaps this was a 
you know, a deliberate fire because uh, Joe Olson, my colleague Joe Olson from Principia Scientific, he says that the um, the cathedral stood for hundreds and hundreds of years, maybe made of, of wood, but it was charred wood. Charred wood does not burn readily. There had to be accelerant uh, on the on the building to make it burn the way it did. So again, there's that issue there. Perhaps that was arson. That was a deliberate fire. And it kind of plays into what you're saying. Yeah, you make a great point. And we are seeing that these regions in the past still have components standing that show that it may have been an intentional destruction. We're seeing heat event evidence that shows that these may be referred to as local or regional cataclysm. So we're finding that materials that normally stand up very well under uh, our normal circumstances, bricks that are used uh, to contain fire or in industry, these are reaching very high temperatures, which we are determining may have been over 6,500 degrees, possibly much higher. And then we see the evidence that these structures are actually are melting. And we see evidence of that throughout the world. I've had opportunity to do much uh, exploring in my region and finding evidence of this. As many other researchers, we're finding that the international group of researchers is emerging that is showing evidence that is detectable, in many cases, our own backyard. If we uh, enjoy hiking in the woods, we're going to find evidence of structure, 90 degree angles, terracing, earthworks, canal works. And then we start to examine some of the astounding accomplishments uh, of the early and middle 1800s in every region, where, as you mentioned, uh, San Francisco, very small region, all of a sudden, it's a massive city. And Chris has shown some astounding work on the panoramas of many of these old cities. And you mentioned the lithograph lithographs. Maybe Chris would uh, speak on what we are seeing in these high-resolution panoramas of these early times. Sure, yeah. Um, yeah, so my channel, I focus, I like to zoom in on a, um, a city or a region and try to provide as much visual evidence that I can find of what I call the old world. And, uh, and what I'm seeing is infrastructure and uh, um, architecture that doesn't fit with the historical narrative we've been given. So we have this picture of the 1800s of this the industrial revolution and this very very quick timeline um of uh, technology being introduced to um the people th through invention right the royal society inventors i call them um but what we're seeing in these uh old photographs and postcards is uh our um cities that are already well laid out um multi-storied structures um, we're looking at brick paved streets, even in the, in North America, that's predominantly where I focus is North America on my channel, but it is everywhere. Um, but I focus on this region because the historical timeline here, um, is quite short compared to places like Europe. Um, Australia would fall under that same category as well as North America, where you're seeing these massive structures made of stone and brick, um, and the manpower isn't there the technology isn't there in the historical records so i think what we're seeing is the falsification of history by a ruling elite i suppose i want to add and the part of that, uh... yeah there's there's one other component that we need to re remember when we see the work being done today from the standpoint of a builder or a contractor we see the highest quality delivery vehicles tractors 
all the various uh, equipments and cranes to move large amounts of equipment and materials and extremely large blocks at times. So through our research, we're finding that this time period, we're finding was carts, horses, wagons, people carrying things, and the roads are not developed yet. The railroad is not there. Uh, sea travel is difficult and ships are lost. They don't have the, uh, the routine safety that they do now. And so we're seeing that these buildings in certain areas, it's very clear that something has happened. And when we speak to the authorities that run the parks and they tell us, they give us what we call a narrative, which becomes very unbelievable. I'd like to give you one short example in San Francisco. And Chris is aware, well aware of this as well. And this has to do with Fort Point, which is a Civil War fortress underneath the Golden Gate Bridge made of brick and granite. And it is maintained by the state park system. And there's rangers there that give tours and answer questions. And I asked him a very simple question. I wanted to know about the source of the granite that's used for the megalithic seawall. And I say megalithic, which means giant stone. And some of these blocks, which are polygonal, a repeating pattern, six sides are 6,500 pounds each. And they are precision cut with evidence of machine marks. And this one is very unusual as the foundation is below sea level. Always below sea level. And these blocks are enormous and it's 1800 feet long and they're approximately uh, five stories tall. And the strength of it was strong enough to build the anchor points of the Golden Gate Bridge without modification. So at that time period in the 1850s, we're looking at moving and unloading granite blocks, which the rangers with a straight face told me came directly from China. So they're supposedly ordering prefabricated 6,500 pound blocks and having them delivered. And the reason is that for potential defense against civil war attack, the fort was never used and was abandoned and it still stands today. But those are megalithic blocks. And the nearest quarry, if Chinese were not involved, is 120 miles. And there were no bridges. And everything would have had to been uh, dragging across uh, very dirty and undeveloped muddy roads. So right now we're having some pretty good weather here. I don't think there'd be any possibility of moving the stone of that size at that time with any vehicle. All the researchers are seeing this and we had spoken about that panorama and one of our associates a very popular researcher by the name of john levi john levi channel on youtube and he has shown that uh, many of the buildings in these panoramas that you had mentioned similar to the notre dame cathedral uh, these are visible in the 1878 panorama and it appears to be a city of about a million citizens. And it's very difficult to find any evidence of people walking around in the city. It appears to be a very abandoned or discovered or founded city. And it's very, uh, this might pique your attention. Many people don't know the state motto of the state of California. Mm. Uh, it's Eureka, which means I found it, or I founded it, or 
people love the little does anyone uh, remember the childhood nursery noise finders keepers finders <laughs> keepers they founded it so eureka was the motto they chose so here's a huge city with very little record of its construction said to have been built in just a number of years a couple of short years the um and then as it's been destroyed in a record of city fires san francisco alone up to seven different city fires mm. saying to destroy many things so yeah, we have not a lot of questions about uh go ahead yeah i'm not a moment we have to take a short break this is tnt radio firstly farming unions in wales supported a vote to remain in the eu and secondly, there is no evidence that farmers voted en masse for Brexit. There are no polls or other evidence to prove this. And thirdly, it is a very odd statement to make because what Drakeford is, well, at the face of it, what he's saying to farmers is that I now have the power to restrict your farms in Wales because you voted for Brexit. A very odd thing to say. James Freeman on today's News Talk TNT. Military families often sacrifice precious time away from loved ones while serving our country. And for those with children, the separation can be especially difficult. We were worried that with him leaving, that she would lose those connections with her dad. Some of life's best moments happen between parents, children, and the pages of a good book. United Through Reading provides that connection. You can watch your mom or dad read a book to you, and it almost feels like they're really there. We ensure they remain a consistent, meaningful part of their children's lives, no matter the distance. Just seeing Jacob recognize daddy again after a long time just melted my heart. And now, as we're facing greater isolation from our loved ones, United Through Reading is also available to veterans. Learn more about United Through Reading and download our free secure app at unitedthroughreading.org. Caution. You are about to, about to hear today's news talk and the voice of freedom. That's what this country is all about. TNT Radio. Uh, welcome back. Uh, very interesting conversation we're having about the lost civilization of Tartaria. And uh, just before the break, um, Chris and Tracor were talking about uh, the panoramic view. There's a, there's a famous panoramic photo that uh, was created in 1878 um, by Edward Mybridge. And um, the, the genius of the photography back then was, was that it showed a 360 view of the newly constructed city of San Francisco. And um, people pointed out there's something that there are a few things very anomalous about this panoramic view. One of the things I picked up on in the comments was that uh, there are few to no people on the streets. There are few to no horses on the streets. And as you know anything about photography back then, very, very hard. You can't capture moving uh, people because obviously the frame exposures take 10, 20 seconds or more. So anything that uh, revolves action, if it involves action, you're going to get a blur. Um, and quite well known, you know, it's the, the blurring, the, the, the ghosting effect on old fashioned photographs. Um, but on this panoramic view of uh, San Francisco, there are, there are no blurs. There are no black blurring. There is no movement. Everything is static. Um, and guys, another thing that I picked up on is that right smack bang in this massive construction project of San Francisco is the American Civil War. 
it's incredible that anybody could invest so much time, energy and resources to constructing a city like that during a time of massive civil war. Uh, gentlemen, you know, what do you say to that? Well, the American Civil War narrative um, is very interesting. I think um, through my research, it appears to be um, a reset trigger point on, on the North American continent. Um, most of the population boom happens here after the Civil War, 1870s and 1880s. Uh, 1880s, you get the uh, railway um, railway boom, I suppose. I think they say 70,000, 75,000 miles of track were laid in the 1880s, which would equate to uh, 20 miles a day or something like that, which is absolutely ridiculous. Um, but what we're seeing in the 1870s with the Chicago Fire, 1871, Boston Fire, um, um, Baltimore, you have a massive fire. There's a lot, there's a lot of visual evidence of those places being obliterated, but it doesn't look like fire. It looks like very similar to what we're seeing in places like Dresden after World War II. Um, it looks like there's some other type of damage. So I think what we're looking at is a reset narrative and a, a resetting of history is, is the implication with our research here, I think. Yeah, yeah. I agree. And what we're also detecting is that there may have been advanced methods that uh, were able to destroy such large portions of land or very selectively taking down buildings that were not going to be used for the next population coming through. We don't really understand. There's a lot of details that are coming forward and the use of the internet and research tools and being able to browse the historical photo record and look at archived uh, records within historical societies is giving us a tremendous number of clues. You know, going back to the San Francisco city picture, there's so many details of buildings. And when you look at the types of buildings that are constructed and you try to put a timeline onto how long it would take to be constructed in modern times, that raises huge red flags. The uh, population was said to have only been 1,000 in 1848, 1849, San Francisco. Yet they built Fort Point and they built what was called Citadel Alcatraz or Fort Alcatraz, which is even a much larger structure at the same time. Then the majority of the city is under construction and many of the structures that are standing in the photo are still are still there now in fact if you take a very close look from some of the vantage points you can see amazing detail even on the horizon so some of this photo uh, quality is actually higher than what we're seeing presented by people today so that also how do we have such incredible detail in record keeping incredible you know this this whole planet has a problem with its history of, of stoneworks, doesn't it? I mean, going all the way back to the pyramids and then there's, I mean, everyone always uses that reference. There's Gobliki Tipi, right? Um, yes. And there's all sorts of um, other uh, less well-known sites, but there's sites all over the world which have these amazing stoneworks where giant stones, which, you know, if you're talking about these things are dated to many thousands of years ago, who was around back then? But, you know, the equivalent of what we would call cavemen. Some, uh, I mean, there are some holes in the, the timeline, aren't there? 
Yeah, so you have these giant stoneworks, and they these things are put together like as if they're jigsaws, and they're not just like clumsily put together. They're like perfectly cut, so beautifully and perfectly cut together into jigsaw pieces, basically jigsaw puzzle pieces, right? So the this planet seems to have a a problem with explaining um, what force is behind uh, this ability to create stoneworks with very little labor and uh in in very short time periods right um there seems to be some sort of history of masons i'm not talking about the freemasons as we know them today some sort of you know it's just a men's club they don't really seem to do anything there's some sort of offshooter copycat but there seems to be a some sort of true um i know what you would call it underground or just some other class of i don't know what it is people here beings here are you, something uh, that, that, are you speaking that, that, to are you speaking to the methods of the construction that might just, not fit our understanding of construction today? Well, sure, yeah, all that. I mean, how is how is it how is it done? How are these things moved with no manpower? How are these things put together so perfectly? There is a problem of of that's unexplained here, isn't there? And and you know, of course, these structures are lined up on the great geodesics um, over the whole planet, right? Um, so yeah, there's something going on with our with the history of of stoneworks that the, we're not, we, the public well, there is a, just doesn't have access to, do we? I can, I really, I can see where you're going and it is, uh, and it is kind of frustrating. We're struggling for the right words to describe what we're seeing, but we don't necessarily have the uh, information or research time behind us yet to really put a finger on, on what we're seeing. There is a emerging theory or a concept uh, that goes along with the idea of a creator of wherever this is that we live. A well, you know what's you know what's really really crazy. You know, there's so many memes out there, right? And some of them are not believable. You know, I've I've looked into the pyramids, and yeah, there is coding in the design of the pyramids, for example, um, just with certain ratios. You know, the golden mean is there, pi is there. Um, certain analysis you can pull at the speed of light. But one person pointed out that the the latitude in degrees of the pyramid of the capstone, where the capstone, where the peak of the capstone would have been of the Great Pyramid is the speed of light. Like it's like 29 point something degrees. Maybe just take away right. the decimal point. It actually equals the speed of light. I checked that on Google Maps and sure enough, it's it's pretty much exact. It's it's directly on the where the capstone would have been. So whoever is designing these things way back then has design, has knowledge of the laws of, it's laws of physics of the universe. It's almost like the designers of the laws of physics of the universe have left, left Easter eggs here on the planet Earth for us to discover and be like, oh, haha, look at that. Somebody put a pyramid so that the latitude in degrees would equal the speed of light. That's so that's so funny, and we discover that now. But, you know, we don't talk about it, obviously, in academia because we have absolutely no explanation for it. The explanation seems some to be would, uh, Some would suggest what you're seeing, and I, like, I really appreciate that term, Easter egg. That was very good. Some are suggesting that what you're seeing is evidence of a construct you're seeing the programming, you're seeing the script in the background. Some would suggest the coincidences are too amazing. And what do you know? We're in a creation. Some would use the word simulation as a synonym, but creation's a little easier to digest. But it you're starting to some, see the code. 
Yeah, absolutely. And it seems whoever that is, they're able to pop in here and move rocks and cut stones that are simply impossible and inexplainable. They have some sort of knowledge uh, to be able to just do that with these things. And yeah, as far as modern architecture, right? Modern architecture, you know, there's there's a lot of memes out there showing, you know, modern architecture versus the beautiful architecture of the past, right? And so modern architecture is just so it's deadening and sickening, right? Whereas in the past, this architecture was so beautiful and uplifting, good for the soul, good for the mind. It's nice to be around. Now we just have these horrible, just this horrible, you know, box. We live around boxes, gray boxes, right? They Whereas call it brutalist. Past, yeah, brutalist. That's right. Yeah, that's, that's what I was going for. Exactly, yeah. I think Chris should speak to this. He's done some excellent presentations recently comparing and looking at many uh, of the municipal buildings and all of the various cities, specifically United States, from an old world of appearance. Chris, what do you think about these uh, construction projects in comparison to the work that's being done today? And do you think they could build like that today? Um, the question of could comes up a lot as far as ability. Do we have the ability to pull off... Um, the construction of let's say an 1890s courthouse <laughs> in some of these states some of them are spectacular they look like wedding cakes um the the, the county courthouses and the state capitals in, in north america are something that uh, if you're new to this and you want to check it out uh those are those ones will uh ring the alarm bells for you i think there's a problem with our ability in the modern day to to work to the precision that these buildings were created and these are supposed to have been built in the 1890s um, not just the exterior which often looked like a castle um, made out of very tightly fitting stone everything is arched we have cymatic windows uh, cymatic windows in that the circular windows create a pattern that look like um, that imitate the cymatic um, frequencies uh, you see this in cathedrals but you also see it in um, 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 music halls and you see it in some government buildings <laughs> Um, Can I just butt in there and just clarify what cymatic means? All the people won't sure. know what the term cymatic means. You're referring to the sound when when you have patterns in sound, the waves. If you if you visualize it, you can see there's a geometric structure, almost like ice crystals. I've seen some of that artwork myself on YouTube, and it's incredible how the architecture is able to mirror you know what we can see on film that if, when you recreate the sound pattern visually so uh, again it, it seems to be like the feng shui there's a kind of feng shui notion some would that, call it sacred geometry sacred, sacred geometry, geometry exactly. is what uh, is another word for some of these recognizable patterns they're very precise they're very precision and as uh, uh, chris had mentioned the cymatic angle is that they may mimic a frequency or allow a specific frequency to come through the structured window for a greater purpose. Yeah, these old, yeah. Uh, a lot of the old um, cathedrals, right, are built on these uh, cymatic uh, principles, but for, for obviously for sound, so that they, they resonate the sound. There's a great video. I forget who the young lady is. Um, there's a young lady. She's in this just this completely unknown cathedral in the middle of nowhere in Italy. I think it was Italy or one of those nice European countries with a lot of old cathedrals. You know, you wouldn't think it's a special place, but but she walks in there and her mother just closed her phone case. And the echo of the phone case just reverberated through the whole building. This young lady was like, oh my goodness, did you hear that? This place has amazing acoustics. And she's a singer. Mm -hmm. So then it, she sings um, one of those uh, traditional Christian songs. 
and the whole place just resonates with her voice right. like the whole place is shaking it's just so beautiful I could, if i can pull that up and figure out what video that is i'll uh, i think i under I, but, I remember something similar to that and you are correct these frequencies can be heard in sound and they can be felt and when frequencies are used in a scientific or a controlled environment that's when we start to see uh, the introduction of heat or energy there's a lot to be learned from what's currently invisible to our eyes, but the cymatic concept, many of you have seen the uh, video where there's a flat plane on top of a vibrating element like a speaker, and they're able to transmute through the speaker a specific frequency, and then they dump some sand on top of the flat plane, and it starts automatically forming self-assembling uh, design. And then they'll change the pitch of the frequency and then it'll change once again and again and again. And these are some of the most complicated looking, uh, like a snowflake looking element. But that goes right back to where we were. Uh, Chris was mentioning the cymatic elements of these cathedrals. And I think he was really onto something as he started to speak about the greater uh, value of these buildings. Maybe he could continue with, um, what do you think about the fact that there's so many designs in these windows? Well. Uh, it's uh, tough for me to give a direct answer on that. The windows themselves are interesting. I, I, I like I marvel at the interiors of these structures um, from a material standpoint. So a lot of the materials being used in these structures do have a crystalline structure, like granites and um, marbles and th and and even um, a lot of the old bricks were said to have a resonance. Um, so a lot of people in this field of research are suggesting um, that there is uh, a connection with the energy of what uh, Nikola Tesla called the ether and a harnessing of the ether um, to as a part of the old world infrastructure that we we don't have any knowledge and we can only really speculate about now and this is something that has been taken away from us um, so that's a large part of the research into the old world is uh, when you look at a lot of the rooftops the sharp peaks and the domes with the spires you sometimes you get what look like a fence along a roof ridge um, and a lot of them are made of copper and uh, different metals. Um, we're getting into the harnessing of uh, of energy, I think. That's something we don't, and we can really only speculate on. Um, we don't know a lot about, so difficult to expand. And certainly, on that. a lot of these uh, a lot of these cities in the early pictures seem to indicate that there were some power infrastructure. There was something being used. We see some of the power lines. These uh, various antennae that are on top of these structures that you mentioned, they're everywhere. You cannot be ignored any longer. We see the black and white photos of these uh, old world skylines and everything is covered in amazing, what would be called uh, antiquitech, ancient technology, an older style of using the energy. And for some reason, we're coming to find out that maybe one of the most common objects are bricks. There's more bricks than anything in this world. Millions and millions and millions of stamped and machined uniform bricks. They make up the core of the Colosseum of Rome. People don't understand that building. They think of the large stones, but it's a it's about 85% red brick all the way through the core. Well, and construction photos of these buildings any of the buildings we've spoken to there are no construction photos of the buildings 
anywhere. We would chat, make that challenge. We've been looking for years. Where are the, the, uh, the job sites that are clear and ready to have a building of these nature or magnitude put on its place and not crumble? These buildings were designed to last a thousand years. They're not falling down. They're not dangerous. And they're not seismically unstable as they would uh, lead you to believe. A great example that I've seen with the Palace of Fine Arts in San Francisco on the World Fair grounds is the fact that that structure was able to withstand the devastating earthquake of 1989 during the uh, famous Bay Bridge World Series in San Francisco. There were large engineered structures, freeways, collapsing in the same neighborhood. The Palace of Fine Arts doesn't have crack one. It's not, and it was supposedly built in a swamp. They will show you a picture on the grounds of hand, uh, hand moving and using mules in this building, yet here it is. So we have questions of how they were able to build with such strength and so quickly and without effort, it seems. And notice the structures are geometrically perfect. These were not construction hacks just trying to get through the day. These were people that cared so much about the work that the quality shows and endures, and it uh, doesn't seem to be the style of building that's being done today. These buildings are being assembled in two years, and 10-unit apartment complexes take three in 2024. We want to know the answers. To we need questions. to take another short break. Thank you. This is TNT Radio. Deweaponizing weather with reality and perspective. A prominent climate skeptic and really a brilliant, brilliant meteorologist, Dr. Ryan Mallard, tweeted today that the idea that 2024 is going to be the warmest on record should be dismissed. Now, first of all, I never say things like that because when you look at the future, you know, it's an infinite system, a bunch of things are possible. But you've heard me reference on TNT the rapid drop of temperature that's being forecast in the Indo-Pacific. That's the first thing. Second thing is, if you go to CFACT, I show all this. And so it seems like Ryan is echoing the sentiments that I wrote about, all right? That's not to say Ryan didn't come to this independent conclusion. But the fact of the matter is that if it's not this particular year, because the front of the year is going to be very warm, if you take from this middle of summer, coming up in the Northern Hemisphere, it'll be winter in the Southern Hemisphere, into the following year, there could be a dramatic drop in global temperatures. Now, you wanna know something? If there is a dramatic drop, it's so what to me? No one's really gonna notice what's going on. The only value of the dramatic drop is you cannot explain, just like you can't explain with the warming, that man is responsible for either one of them. So it opens up these other ideas, natural ideas, that we've been talking about. In any case, I keep looking at the CFSV2 model and it's like it's painting the Pacific Ocean blue, which is exactly opposite where the Pacific Ocean has been for the last, what, 10 years? This is TNT Climate and Weather Watchdog, meteorologist Joe Bastardi asking you to enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you got. One scorching heat wave will leave me powerless to cool my insulin. When the storm rolls in, my time to find a pet-friendly evacuation center will have run out. <laughs> I'm relying on luck. 
but who knows if it'll be on my side. When it comes to disasters and emergencies, it's not a matter of if, but when. Take control. One, assess your needs. Two, make a plan. Three, engage your support network. Let's prepare so we all have a better story to tell. Using science to debunk myths from the pandemic to climate fraud. Thanks for listening to Sky Dragon Slaying on TNT Radio. We're having a fascinating conversation about the uh, so-called lost civilization of Tartaria. Uh, Chris Kelly and uh, Kay Trekor-Wills are with us. And uh, the conversation uh, is kind of bouncing around from the idea of living in harmony, the idea of conspiracy theory to hide ancient civilization, that the idea of lost skills, lost, lost techniques of construction and architecture. And um, it piqued my interest with the idea of living in harmony with nature, uh, the the idea of building in, in, in resonance, the idea of harmonics. It fits in with the Feng Shui idea, the, the ancient Chinese idea of living in harmony with nature. We, we've avoided that. You made the point, gentlemen, that modern architecture seems to be lacking in harmony. It's very brutal, the idea of brutal. And a lot of the ancient architecture, conservative ideas about architecture are living in harmony with nature. And um, Joe, on previous shows, we talked about the idea of um, the human resonance, the idea of grounding, the idea of electrical forces living in harmony with the the Earth's energy. It it does seem to tie in very well, doesn't it, Joe? Yeah, I think it does. Yeah, there's got to be something there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, We're being cut off from, from, I think, the connection, the magnetic, electromagnetic uh, frequencies that the earth creates um i mean you you, you see evidence for it uh, i mean this is kind of anecdotal but i bought a pair of shoes and they were numbered 609 they were like reebok 609s i'm like okay why 609 so if you go to um uh, strong's concordance which is like the sort of uh, bible uh, bible dictionary it tells you the meaning there's a numerical uh meaning or a, a numerical numerical correspondence to every single word in the bible right and so i thought well maybe i'll look there because a lot of people say information is hidden that way so i looked up the number 609 in the bible and in, in strong's concordance and it means to cut off so it's like <laughs> that is so weird right that is just such a strange coincidence because you know that's what the whole idea about grounding is is stop cutting yourself off with the rubber soled su- shoes so i buy a pair of rubber soled shoes and they're named cut off right they labeled cut off um back to this lady in spain so she was in montefrio spain her name is melinda kathleen reese and she sings o come o come emmanuel in this cathedral and it's just if you watch it you will break down crying it's just so beautiful what strikes me is that they built this beautiful cathedral with exquisitely tuned harmonics in the middle of nowhere for a few hundred peasants that live right, there right. Few, where like this thing is like hundreds of years old if not more and it's like whoever built that you know using nothing like we have today for technology knew how to build something exquisitely tuned for for a female singing voice it's uh yeah it's i think just... you'll find uh i think you'll find that that is an amazing thing to experience but it's certainly not unique with these structures once you enter these buildings and some of the buildings you would not expect it to be having these qualities but when you're inside of even some of these uh, fortresses which are uh, ab- long abandoned the one under the golden gate bridge for example the sound in there is incredible 
the shape of the arches and the and the material itself is so dense and chris had mentioned its components internally crystalline structure may also uh, have a way to activate the way the frequency is returned to our ears so we're looking at all the various possibilities but with this idea of the free energy how would the public respond if they found out that we could have also been using free energy now instead of spending so much money possibly buying the energy that is also made for free and return to us if you want to look at it from a conspiracy a conspiracy standpoint how would people feel if we have free energy and they just didn't let us have it yeah yeah i, I, like I wonder I, sorry i, wonder I just they're worried yeah I just want to say that again this overlaps so neatly with the nikola tesla conspiracy theories when you talk about free energy i think the um the one kind of figurehead for the concept of free energy was always nikola tesla who famously was at war with edison you know famously tesla was the pioneer who brought about AC, um, AC, alternating current, you know, and improved the point that Edison was wrong. Direct current was not the way to power our cities. Alternating current was. It always goes back to frequencies, Joe. And as a, as a scientist, as an astrophysicist, we, we kind of um, always like to revolve it back somehow to the connection between, there's always kind of a, a hidden agenda, the idea of science being denied to the masses. We know that most patents, scientific patents are bought up by the elite suppressed only allowed to be used for by the for the public if it uh fits a certain uh kind of control system if you like you, you know did you just say people, profit did you just say for profit, <laughs> for profit. Thing, yeah, right? yeah yeah can yeah yeah can i jump in real quick here i'd like to speak speak to that a bit john um you mentioned uh edison and this uh Reset narrative, which is what I think is going on, ties in with the robber barons of the turn of the 20th century, the famous names, you know, um, the ones that are still relevant today and with what's going on. Um, and then the hijacking and the stealing of the old technology and the converting of the old technology and um, turning it into a uh, monetary resource and a, and a, a power um, resource as well. And I think that's a large part of what's going on here. And we, we, part of what we're doing looking into the past is saying that um, we can see that time is nonlinear. Like uh, we know that there was technology has been lost because there's no way these things could have been built um, with the story we've been told. So we've been given a story, a historical timeline. We've been given a story on uh, geology. I think a lot of this is just laid out for us by these um, nefarious figures. It's hard to pinpoint, but there are there are certain names attached. It gets into the the uh, the monarchies. Um, the Vatican and the power structures of the world, right? Uh, I think it's all tied in, and it's where we're at today is because of what happened then. Well, there's these yeah, uh, cu these cutting discs that are found in Egypt, right? These strangely mm -hmm. shaped, they're like an inverted sort of flower disc that goes out, and then it has three petals that fold back in. Have you ever seen those things? They're like these Egyptian stone cutting discs, and then there's these boreholes in solid stone that are right. perfect and people are like oh oh those were created just with uh you know hand chisels with a stone tool and they're like right they talk perfect. about uh, copper perfect. and wooden mallets and copper chisels let me yeah. let me mention to you a little bit just, about just ignore these strange the... discs that that have strange metallurgy <laughs> that we would never, just ignore all <laughs> yeah. these laying around yeah. yeah brian forrester did a pretty good job of showing those discs and it looks like an impeller it has yeah. a very unusual shape to it but what you had mentioned about these uh cut holes and cut marks and granite 
A lot of people uh, do not have experience fabricating or cutting natural stone products. Um, as a contractor myself, I've, I've done a lot of it and I know how long it takes to cut. A lot of people don't understand that cutting through a block of granite today to make a countertop in your home is done in a large water-cooled cutting factory and takes three days. It takes three days to cut through four feet. So these massive blocks, which you, you had mentioned, hammer and chisel, and I had mentioned donkeys and wagons, and yeah. Chris has mentioned that uh, we cannot replicate, and we're finding that there's no construction photo evidence. And then when we speak to the idea of free energy, we see electric vehicles in the older photos. We see electric powered trolley systems in all of the small cities without references to the location of a power plant. We're seeing people using abilities and tools in ways that we are unable. And I think it's fair to speak to these questions because they're not included in our educational system accurately. We're instead giving, we're given stories that with a short amount of research, we find that we're able to destroy quickly. We mm -hmm. Truth is a good thing to look for. Very good. <laughs> yeah, I, I like to talk also about the idea that there's a, the hidden technology of the ancient batteries. I mean, you may have seen it yourself. The Egyptologists have said they found strange uh, vases that contain various elements, metals, that are very akin to modern batteries, you know, dry cell batteries. And it, again, it, it kind of makes the point what has been hidden from us. And we, we know as conspiracy theorists ourselves, you know, we know a lot of the official narrative is to hide wrongdoing, to hide something that, that there's always a, a payoff to propaganda. And uh, I think those of us who are awake realize that we probably have always had propaganda foisted upon us and uh, we're only allowed to see you know, only a glimpse of reality that everything's hidden behind the curtain, isn't it, gentlemen? You're you're absolutely correct. And I think something that we need to speak on, we've only got a limited amount of time, I know, is that it appears as if the architecture and the layouts of the cities uh, resemble some sort of a power grid structure. And it may have been operating correctly for a very long time to the benefit of the people but experience some sort of an overload. And that's why and how we're seeing the widespread destruction, especially with the uh, concept to the melted buildings. It seems to be bottom up heat, relatively quick phenomenon. And then we seem to be living on the wreckage. Mm -hmm. And we're just now noticing that the impossible construction is easy for everyone to see. We just, you know, we're we're very distracted people. We're very busy. Most most people are working forty hours a week and commuting, and they're busy with all their activities. And research is just simply not for them. Uh, they have to believe that think, what they're being told is correct. Do you think that we're enslaved? Like, are we basically? Is there some sort of enslaver class that just keeps us yeah. distracted and stupid and doesn't tell us what's going on and what are they enslaving us for are they harvesting is it kind of like the matrix they're harvesting some form of energy from us or something like why would they want to great question us? They, they must be highly advantageous they must need us <laughs> our energy anyway yeah 
Yeah. One thing we haven't talked about yet, I want to just get in before we've got another three three minutes left on the show. Um, the mud floods. Talk about the mud floods, because, again, I found that quite fascinating that there are buildings, you know, in some of these areas that were so allegedly flooded by mud. Uh, the ground floor is hidden underground. And if you scrape away, you're finding uh, previously, you know, um, inhabited areas under buildings that are shockingly in great uh, condition as if it's been done very, very rapidly. And we're not told about that. You know, again, this mud flood issue is uh, quite intriguing as, as well, isn't it? it? There are some buildings that are being retrofitted and worked on uh, at this time, and they're still having difficulties finding the original foundations. Uh, there's more photos of the railroads being dug out of the mud than being constructed. Uh, as you mentioned, buildings are buried up to next level, and many of the cities have tourist attractions, and they will tell you they raised the streets. They raised the streets for some reason, but in reality, the uh, the mud buried the buildings. Very or obvious. Chicago, we see it. Chicago, they raised the buildings. That's the part of the narrative there as well. But I think the mud flood is a residual effect of what uh, Kairos just mentioned with the, with the short-circuiting of the grid. A part of a cataclysm so i think a cataclysm is being kept from our perception um and i think if if we start to become as we start to become aware of what may have actually happened here um we'll gain a lot more understanding of who and what we really are which i think is really important right and one of the uh one of the byproducts of electrical failure specifically on in a battery environment you've seen the corrosion around the posts of your battery, or if you leave a battery in an electronic device too long and it goes bad and you see all the corrosion. So there does seem to be an accumulation of unwanted material around a failed component. So if these buildings were truly uh, even built with batteries, the bricks and the mortar and the crystalline elements of the construction and were a functioning electrical system, this meltdown or breakdown could have produced uh, a corrosion which today resembles mud. Another issue that comes to my mind is the uh, process of liquefaction. When you often get uh, seismic activity, rather than get a full-blown earthquake, you can get uh, a resonance uh, shaking of the earth that causes the uh, liquefaction, if you like, of the solid earth. And that can cause a sinking process like a, like being in quicksand. So again, that occurred to me. That also may be a factor to consider. Again, just speculating off the top of my head. Um, gentlemen, uh, we've got about a minute left. I just want to round up everything by saying, promoting your channel, just uh, if you like. Uh, Chris, you've also got a book, 101 uh, Buildings, I think you looked into. Yeah, I've got the two of them up here. It's basically coffee coffee table style book um, of uh, demolished buildings in North America, ones that uh, no longer stand, um, really castle-like structures, ones that will um, um, contradict our idea of what we think of as uh, um, North American history, I suppose. So those are available through my uh, YouTube channel, Old World Exploration. I'm also on Rumble and Instagram on those under those that same name, but uh, YouTube's my my main place. Yeah, and Treko, quickly. Yeah, so I've, I am Kairos YouTube channel, and I'm doing so-called boots on the ground exploration. I'm looking at these old structures up close and personal, uh, visiting them. Uh, there's several playlists, and one of them is related to the Sutro Baths and the melted brick effect, the so-called melted brick avalanche. 
is my most popular video and you can I hate to cut you off I hate blocks. to cut you off thank you very much gentlemen for a wonderful hour wonderful conversation I wish you all well thank in you. the future thank, thank you, you very much indeed it's a TNT radio